From realghoststoriesonline.com, this is Real Ghost Stories Online, the podcast. It is group therapy for the paranormally affected. Phone number, as always, 855-853-4802 to call in with your real ghost stories 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's how we do it here. Uh, Or you can always email us and uh, send us a message direct through our website. It's realghoststoriesonline.com. Click on the Tell Us Your Ghost Story button and share your ghost story that way. Fastest way to get it on the air, though, is going to be by calling it in on the toll-free uh, 855-853-4802 number. A little bit longer wait to get the letters on. It's because we have uh, so many of them, but we are going through them from uh, the order in which they were received as uh, when you call telemarket or you call uh, on hold line. That's what you always hear. <laughs> but uh, that is really how we're doing it. So we are getting through them slowly, but uh, surely. Uh, slowly, but surely. Is that, uh, is that? Slowly, but surely. Slowly, but surely. There we go. It's late. Actually, it's not. It's only like 8.37 when we're recording this, but I feel like it's later. I don't know why. For parents of little kids, it's late. It's always late. Anything past <laughs> seven is considered late. Um, so, anywho, another thing, if you're not in the EPP yet, please join us and be an EPP. That is a way for you to support the show. And the uh, extra bonus there, you get an extra episode every single week as a thank you from us for uh, you supporting the show. It's uh, five bucks a month. That's all we ask. You can do 10. You can do 15. It's completely up to you. I just say whatever you feel the show is worth to you. If you listen frequently, uh, throw a little bit in the kitty there, five bucks a month maybe, and uh, help support and keep us going. Without that support, the show would not be continuing. So if you like the show and you'd like it to continue, please consider being an EPP to help us cover some of the hard costs of doing this show. On that last uh, bonus episode we had a call from Ruben and he uh, shared uh, multiple stories of uh, unexplained ghostly occurrences that happened to him in his childhood home and the premonition about uh, a friend's death that he had and how that all played out that was a very creepy story and uh, you'll get that uh, along with all of the uh, EPP bonus episodes that are out there which I believe total three yeah there's three bonus episodes out there now so uh, when we send it out every single week In fact, if you sign up right now, you'll be uh, getting it over the weekend, and you'll be getting that episode, the other two episodes, and the next episode. So actually, the next email comes out and has four in there. So there you go. That's very cool. A little extra extra stockpile of real ghost story episodes for you, just for that uh, support and that donation. So please uh, check it out. Click Become an EPP on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. A little bit of follow-up. On some stuff that we talked about, Bill writes in uh, via YouTube regarding the final caller on the program the other day who apparently dreamt of a neighbor's murder-suicide as it happened. If I understood the caller's story, she lived two to three houses from where the incident occurred. At 1.30 a.m., it's usually very quiet outside, and at that time, two gunshots from inside a home would be unmistakably uh, close. Uh, Is it possible... That the caller heard the shots and her subconscious filled in the details. Just a thought. Bill, good thought. It is a good thought. And I didn't think of that the other night. I didn't either. It's kind of the obvious. Yeah, it's just, I think what threw me was the fact that she, in her dream, knew the not just that there were two gunshots, but the situation around it. Sure. So I didn't even think that, well, duh, she's going to hear it in the middle of the night, two houses down. You're exactly right on that. Yeah, I I wonder, I mean, was her synopsis of the situation, how it happened to, was that on or was that just 
what she was saying of how she thought the situation went down. No, she was really accurate, even down to the point of how the... Um, it was the husband who killed the wife and then killed himself. She was accurate even down to the details on okay. how the wife was found and the extent of her injuries, and I'll leave it at that. Okay. Um, that's really interesting. I wonder... Hmm. Do you think it could have triggered the initial thoughts, hearing the gunshots, and then bam, the energy goes her way, and she's able to just, you know, essentially remotely view this whole thing? Or was it one hell of a guess? No, I don't think it was a guess. I mean... Like, I'm not saying she's guessing. I mean, one hell of a, you know, guess in her mind, or her mind had giving her this nightmare that, oh, it turns out it was exactly like that. I think it was more than that because in her dream, she communicated with the man in between him killing the wife and killing himself. Yeah. So I just really, I don't know. It's hard to say if it's just an energy thing or what, or if she was there astro projection wise. Yeah. I don't know. It was an interesting call, Um, but uh, I I think there's more to it than than what uh, that suggestion was. It's a great suggestion, though, and a thought, um, because that, that really is the obvious. I have that sometimes where I have something I'm hearing and then suddenly it's in my dream, like a train going by or uh, or if I'm watching Frasier and we fell asleep, suddenly, you know, Frasier's, you know, there. Sure. <laughs> you know, or, yeah, it's something of that nature. Um, whatever TV show, you know, they've all been projected into my dreams at some point in time for whatever I'm dreaming. Well, I have to be careful about the last thing I watch or listen to before I go to sleep mm-hmm. because that is what I will dream about. So that's why we have to have like a couple hours span between the end of Walking Dead and when I'm actually going to fall asleep. Is that why? We, so why are we watching Trailer Park Boys right before we go? To- <laughs> that doesn't bother me. That does not give me nightmares. Yes, I've like, oh my God, Ricky, Julian, Bubbles, the kitties. <laughs> Someone stole Bubbles' cat. I'm so embarrassed that I love that show. That's a great show. Uh, Another follow-up regarding Mary's Call. I think that Amy Allen would be very helpful, too. This is Mary's Call the other day where she uh, said that uh, she was having an aversion to hearing Joe talking about things. And we thought that she could possibly have something going on with her along the realms of possession. Uh, At least a early stage of it, possibly. Okay. I'm glad we brought her up. Because as I was thinking about it, if she were... Even in an early stage of possession, mm-hmm. wouldn't it not allow her to contact no. us? No, it wouldn't, or no, that's not accurate. Uh, no, that's not accurate. She could contact. Okay. This, it's it's kind of like it comes and it goes. You can communicate. You have some free will there. Okay. Um, I mean, depending how possessed you are, for lack of a better term. Because I was wondering if the fact that she was feeling possessed was a sign that she wasn't because she was aware of it. No, I think there's some free will there. Okay. And I I think it it eventually can overtake you. Um, The suggestion says definitely counseling, like Tony said. And yeah, I mean, that's that like we were saying, that's the first line of defense. Defense is getting yourself mentally in a good place. Yeah, that that is number one being, uh, you know, in a good place mentally outside of all the paranormal stuff. So you have a good, strong, clear head to try and deal with whatever the hell it is going on. Um, Says I would fear for her safety at this point. I think the tarot cards may have something attached to them, just like anything that belongs to a loved one. I have never heard of negative effects from using the cards. I would suggest cleansing them with salt and sage. I would suggest just not using them at all right now, um, if that's what's going on. And there's some other folks who said, I use tarot cards, nothing happens. And okay, I mean, every and, and again, this is a very, it's a very subjective topic. Everybody has their own opinions. For what's going on with her right now, 
I would say just stay away from them because I think there may be something going on there. I put them, and this may be because I don't know much about tarot cards, but I put them in the same category as a Ouija board. A lot of people do. Okay. I mean, there's a, there's a, a lot of arguments about them back and forth. There is for Ouija, but I think you get more compelling on the tarot cards of them not being as dark, if you will. Okay. Um, uh, so there's a little, there's more leeway there. And if someone would like to call in, and we have a lot of listeners who, who do use them, and if you'd like to share um, some of your expertise on them and fill us in, that'd be welcoming. Because um, I'm not, we're not an expert in that, but I do know enough to say that it, it, it it's not out of the realm of where people are comparing it to Ouija boards or something that could bring something in. That has been said before. That's not like I'm saying something new here. And when someone is going through what this woman is going through what Mary's going through I say try and break all ties from anything that could be a possible source of whatever the hell is going on here close all the doors to the close the doors and then you know it's like you you got smoke coming in you're not quite sure where it's coming from shut all the doors yeah you know and then you figure it out you know rather than let's try and do one of it and just cut it off anything that's remotely a possibility and see what happens. But I do hope somebody calls in and educates us on tarot yeah. cards, just because that's something I don't know much about. Yeah, a little bit more on that would be good. Or write in or whatever you want. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're not professing to be experts on tarot cards. Um, again, this is a show, you know, it's funny because sometimes we'll get folks who are like, how come you're not an expert on this end of paranormal and that end of paranormal? I don't trust you at all. Because we're all learning here. <laughs> okay. We, we have um, a good educated background on a lot of things but there's certain areas that i don't know a lot about there's certain areas that jenny doesn't know a lot about there's certain areas that pretty much everybody that calls into the show doesn't know about and that's what kind of makes us cool is the fact that uh, everybody can share their expertise and we can get a better understanding of all these different areas and then use that knowledge for good but i do have to say you know, this is almost like a college course in itself. As much time and effort as we devote to this every yeah. single day, we're learning so much information yeah. so quickly. Yeah, and you can always learn more on stuff you already know about, too. Sure. You know, that's half of this. I mean, you go into thinking you're very well read on something, and you can very well be very well read on something, but you can always be more yeah. on any topic. And that's really what this show is all about. So I'm more than willing to say tarot cards are on my low level of knowledge. Uh, on the higher level, there's other things that I have a lot more knowledge on. There you go. So fill us in. We'll all learn more together. And then we'll hold hands and have a fresca. <laughs> and have a fresca? I thought you were going to say and sing Kumbaya. No, fresca. I like fresca. Okay. But the peach one. The, the <laughs> I'd rather have a Fanta. I, I like orange. I, uh, oh, Fanta's good. Yeah. yeah. I, well, I miss the McDonald's orange drink. Yeah. Now they have that high C stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Not the orange. Orange drink of the 80s. The one that they would like bring to events when they would give up cheeseburgers for everyone. And then a big old yellow um, cooler of orange drink because it was like the cheapest thing they could give an event when McDonald's was donating food. Okay. Do you remember orange drink at all? Not so much. Oh, it was a, it was a staple of my childhood. Loved it. Okay. Orange drink. Anyhow, moving on. 855-853-4802. We just named the episode of the show Orange Drink. There <laughs> just we go. put a big picture of the McDonald's orange drink uh, cooler up there. Like, what the hell is this about? Orange drink. Uh, 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in to Real Ghost Stories Online with your real ghost story. Let's go to a caller at 855 853 
4802. Hello. Hi, Tony. Hi, Jenny. This is Jim from Walnut Creek here in California. I've called a couple of times. Love your show. Um, I want to tell you about some experiences I had in the first house that I lived in when I was a kid in Dallas, Texas. The street was named Klondike. Klondike Road, and uh, you know, it was a it was a fairly normal little house, kind of close to the corner. And uh, there's some strange things that happened there. Once again, I, I had a ghost cat in that situation. We used to have a cat who was killed by the neighbor's dogs, and the cat didn't know it, and it would it would hop up on the bed. You could feel it walking around. You could feel it laying down next to you, and there was no cat. But that, that was, you know, fairly benign. The other things that happened in this house, uh, I remember laying in bed, being woken from sleep by the feeling of somebody sitting on the foot of my bed. And not only could I feel them sitting at the foot of the bed, it sounded like they were reading a newspaper, this sound of, of a, a paper being turned slowly as, as somebody, some heavy, heavy presence was sitting on the bed reading a newspaper and when one would peek out from under the blankets one would invariably hide under there was nothing there but the truly scary thing about this uh this house and this happened once and i was you know pretty young at the time and i was always on the uh, on the fence to whether or not it was a dream um but my mother later verified it we've talked about it a few times since um I, it was only she and i at home and I noticed that there was a man in the bathtub behind the curtains and you couldn't see through them. You know, they were like old style, like vinyl hanging curtains with a pattern, but you could see the shadow. It looked like a man in a trench coat with a hat behind the curtain. And so I got my mom and she came in and she grabbed a broom and yeah, I give her kudos for bravery. She she pushed the uh, she pushed the curtain aside with the broomstick, and you know there was it was nothing there. Even though the shadow there was was as plain as day. And uh, I just want to make a, a couple of quick comments on on a Ouija board. A Ouija board, you know, going on a Ouija board, it's kind of like um, it's kind of like your house is a computer and you're going online without any virus protection. So that's a pretty good way of looking at that. And as for the caller I just listened to, he was just talking about these, uh, about the shadows that he saw that were like blacker than black. And I think a good description for that would be not so much as blacker than black so much as, as the complete absence of light. Um, anyway, I love your show. Uh, keep up the good work and uh, I really love the way you guys bounce off of each other. So take care. Uh, Be well. Bye. So did the mom see the shadow too? Is that? I think so. Okay. Wow. Yeah. The idea of ghosts near the shower, that's always like the most last place you want to see a ghost. (laughs) Or or say anything. Even like people in general. Even people you care about. That's the last time you want like an unexpected visitor just to show up. I just, yeah. I couldn't, and thankfully I haven't been in this situation and hopefully I won't be, but having to ma- maintain my composure while mm-hmm. trying to, dis- to disprove to my child that there's a ghost, 
mm-hmm. even though knowing full well there probably is. Yeah. I think a, a great product, because I'm always thinking of interesting new products to market, this would be a fun one, it probably exists, a shower curtain that looks like there's a shadow <laughs> behind it. It'd <laughs> be a great Halloween uh, one oh, to put wow. up. You know, you, you hang it and it looks, you know, just like it looks like a normal, but you just, you sh- you fade part of it so it looks in like the shape of a body. <laughs> like a shadow person shower curtain? Yeah, like right behind the, uh, the shadow, so it looks like there's somebody in there. I would hate that. <laughs> and you could probably even... I don't know if you could, you know how you can, uh, or there's those photos that kind of move with you a little bit. You could have it so it kind of moves a little bit. <laughs> like those Halloween yes. things? Yes, Where in one one angle, it yes. looks like an old photo, and the other, it's the zombie version Exactly, of and this one, the shadow person just kind of moves with the shadow, with the shower curtain. Yuck. I just invented a great new Halloween product. If you call now, you'll also get Ghost in a Jar and Demon Away absolutely free. One of these days, somebody, a new listener, is going to think we are pushing those two items. <laughs> None of them exist. No. Although they actually do, but we don't sell them because somebody else already is. You mention it, and then like two, within two weeks, it was like, oh, look, that product already exists that you've been talking about. I still hold out hope one of these days you'll have an idea that is original. Well, to me, they are original because <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not like going and stealing them. I'm just coming up with them and like, oh. Okay, my else. favorite original idea of yours that was not original was that somebody should use It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year as the theme for a commercial regarding back to school stuff. Oh, yeah. Like Staples did it like 10 years ago. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what can I say? I don't get out much. It's a good idea. (laughs) It was just a late one. Here's a letter. Hi, Tony and Jenny. You may or may not remember me. I wrote in a ghost caught on tape story that still has not made it to air. It will eventually. Trust me. We're getting to it. However, I recently had a a comment I wanted to make regarding the topic of imaginary friends that I felt just could not wait. Like you, Jenny, I've always been incredibly sensitive and psychic. I grew up seeing shadow people around corners and just knowing when another presence was there. In present times, I I work as a professional psychic in addition to my day job. I have been a ghost investigator for a time as my first story attest because I have had these experiences all my life and have accepted them as normal and par for the course. I rarely think of them as abnormal or strange. They are simply a part of my life I have learned to live with and control. Recently, after listening to your show, I was reflecting on the topic of imaginary friends from my childhood. Growing up, my mother, being a school teacher, encouraged her three kids to have active imaginations and let us play with wild abandon. With no cable TV in my house until I was 15 and no internet until third grade, you can imagine the kind of trouble a young psychic like me would get into. And by the time that I was five or six, I had an imaginary friend who I could talk to. It's important to note we never really played. I just talked about things with them. But here's the very interesting point that made me want to write into you. I could only really see this friend in the bathroom. While I could sometimes sense their presence outside of the room, they only took a sort of human form in the restroom. This never seemed all that strange to me until recently when a particular experience made me reflect upon why that might be. You see, I grew up in a conservative Jewish household. While we were not orthodox by any means, or even strict by conservative standards, we did welcome the Sabbath every week. Our parents sent us kids to a Jewish day school, and my mom ensured every room in the house was blessed. Now, in case you don't know uh, uh, what uh, mezuzah is, it's a piece of uh, parchment, often uh, contained in a decorative case, inscribed with specific Hebrew verses from the Torah, and this is what they bless the house with. It's a stated 
you hang this uh, case in the doorway of every room as well as the entrance to your house on a 45-degree angle towards the center of the room to bless it. Every room in my house had one except, you may have guessed it, the bathroom. This is because tradition states that the bathroom is the only room in a Jewish household that does not require this level of prayer protection because it is considered separate from the home. That's interesting, considering it tends to be one of the most paranormally active rooms in a home. Why is it considered separate from the home? Does that go back to the Uh, outdoor plumbing? Probably. That's my guess. It was never updated. Oh. (laughs) That's going to be my... That's my guess. I don't know for a fact. That's my guess. I've always thought this line of thinking may lead back to the days of outhouses and barns. There you go. There we go. But I digress. Anyhow, it is any wonder with this level of uh, protection in every room but the bathroom that I would only interact with my imaginary friend inside one. And this was not just limited to my home. It happened while my Jewish days, my Jewish day school as well, where again, each room was blessed, but the restroom. Coincidence? I'm not sure, but I'd love to know your thoughts. It's worth noting my imaginary friend completely disappeared by the time I was nine, and I never felt anything evil or malevolent from them. I would just talk to them and ask for things. I wanted them to... Uh, I would tell them about uh, what happened that very day. Sometimes I would talk out loud, but sometimes I would speak with my thoughts. And as old habits die hard, I would still try to talk to them as I got older, but they never felt present. They never asked my my questions. They only took my answers and held them for safekeeping. I never felt like they were pulling my energy or manipulating me. The interaction was far more akin to a therapy session than an energy drain. Also, before I go, I want to leave a few notes on Ouija boards. We made a homemade Ouija board once at a sleepover when I was about 12 from the top of an old pizza box. As And as a word to the wise, homemade boards work just as well as any store-bought one. We made contact with a trickster entity who claimed to be King Tuck. When we called him out on his lie, he said he was a little boy playing a trick. After that confession, I got really sick and had to spend most of the night in the bathroom, and eventually my mom came to pick me up. Two, if you're interested in learning more about the science side of the boards and how the interaction with them is explained in scientific terms by scientists, you should check out the Stuff You Should Know podcast. Last October, they did an episode all about Ouija boards and how they work. You can download it for free on iTunes. I should be uh, noted that while I personally believe Ouija boards will allow you to make contact with the other side, I also find it fascinating to know how the skeptics view any paranormal topic and I make it my business to learn about both sides so I can more intelligently state my own argument should someone challenge me. That's all for today. Thank you for reading my email. I love your show. Keep up the good work, Allie. Okay. What would a scientific case or, or a scientific study into Ouija boards, how would that go? Uh, I don't know. We'd have to listen to that podcast, but I'm guessing it probably has something to do with um, two people with their fingers on the board and just the slight movement that you could use to move it around, uh, basically using the kinetic energy back and forth from two people, thinking that it's something else. Okay. Because, um, I mean, you can physically feel the energy from another person. If you, there's like, and there's there's exercises you can do. There's a, uh, uh, a type, of, for lack of a better term, it's a type of martial art, kind of. Um it's more of like a meditative type thing called qigong and there's um actually exercises you can do where you're sticking your hands out and you can actually physically feel without touching the other person like 
it almost feels like electricity kind of going back and forth between you. It's really interesting. Um, anyhow, it's when you're in. It's a very focused exercise. Uh, same sort of thing with a Ouija, with a Ouija board. So okay. there's uh, there's plenty of times where that thing's not moving, mm-hmm. and and there's not anything going on there. Um, and so I get the science behind it, where some people think it's moving, and it's really just these people moving it around um, subconsciously. Um, and there's times where it's damn well moving around, and it's neither of them moving it around. Okay. It's a matter of how do you scientifically prove which is which. Okay. But it'd be an interesting episode. It would be. I was just curious what, if anything, they could measure. I don't know. I would love to listen to that. Okay. I'll check it out. I believe it's like in the same category as our show is and the natural sciences section on iTunes. We're usually like very close to it in the top 10 as it, when everything just kind of flips around throughout the week. So, uh, yeah, if you're on iTunes, check that out. I'd, I'd be interested to hear what that is. Uh, 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in with your real ghost story. We would love to hear it here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to another caller. Hi. Hi, Tony and Jenny. Um, this is Ines from France. I'm French, so that's why my name might sound a little bit weird to you guys. And I just wanted to share my story of what happened to me this summer. Um, I was on a student exchange for two months this summer in Canada, Quebec, and I was living with roommates. Um, one of my roommates, uh, Sonia's dad, um, was actually uh, very sick and was going to die very soon. So um, she left the apartment and spent um, the last couple of weeks of his life with um, him while I was back at the apartment. And I had no idea when he would pass away. And I had no news, not, not very much news from her. I didn't hear from her before he passed away and um one day I was talking about it to one of my friends and you know I was telling her I don't know what to do I don't know how I'm gonna act when when he's gonna pass away because I've never had to help someone who was grieving and um you know my roommate was very a very dear friend of mine so um I really really wanted to be here for her so we were just talking about how we didn't know when it was going to happen and how sad it was. And that night, <coughs> excuse me, I'm very sick at the moment. Uh, that night I had um, a strange dream. Um, I was dreaming that my own father had passed away and, you know, the dream seemed so real, real like so vivid and so true. I... In the dream, I was crying and crying and um, just, I I was just not doing well. And um, I would say things like, my daddy, my daddy left. My daddy's not here anymore. And it was heartbreaking. I was actually sleeping in my dream and in my my sleep. Uh, I woke up crying, you know, I woke up feeling like it was real. It was just such a vivid dream. My my heart was broken when I woke up. Um, I'm not even exaggerating. I, I was heartbroken because, you know, I felt like my father had died. And, you know, my father at the moment was thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away from me because I was all the way in Canada and he was in France. So I woke up. I was in a really bad mood, you know, really depressed and, and sad. And, um, 
I woke up and, you know, just got on with my day. I, the first thing I did in the morning, actually, without even, before even getting out of bed, was um, text one of my friends back in France and tell him everything that happened. Because, you know, I was so traumatized by this dream. And so I got on with my day, went to, to work because I had a summer job there. And at about five in the afternoon, 5 p.m., I get a text from one of my other roommates telling me that Sonia's father had passed away that night and that we were going to go visit her. And at the moment, like right on the spot of the moment, I didn't know, I didn't think about the dream that I had. I honestly, the only thing that came in my mind right at the moment was, oh my God, I need to go see her. I need to hold her in my arms. So we went there and when I saw her face, it really just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks that I had had that dream when her father was dying. Um, really just when her father was dying because he died in, in the night, during the night, and I was asleep and I was having this dream of losing my own father. And when I saw her, I just burst into tears. I felt really heartbroken and I felt like I could relate, even though I technically can't because I haven't lost any of my parents. I really, really felt like I had lived the same thing as her and I don't know, I felt this strong connection. And we, could, we didn't, couldn't stop crying. I couldn't stop crying. I held her in my arms without saying a word. And, you know, ever since I saw her that moment, this dream just kind of stays in my mind at all times. I think about it every day. And, you know, I have had many weird dreams and actually before I had that dream um, uh, I was talking to my friend about my dreams and that sometimes you know when when I have a nightmare or something I'll tell my friend and he, he'll tell me things like wow this is shocking like I don't even dream of things nearly as horrible as this and one day before I even talked to him about that dream before I even had that dream he said to me you know you're starting to worry me with your your dreams and all that. So, you know, I find that a little bit alarming. I don't know much about dream interpretation and stuff, but um, I don't know. Maybe you guys can try and help me understand. Maybe some other listeners, um, if they know if this was just a simple, huge, huge coincidence, or or if it was just, you know, some kind of connection that I'd had with her because she was, before she left to go see her father, she was my, the roommate that I was closest to and um, I really loved her so much dearly, like really, really loved her a lot and um, I just, I don't know, I just can't help feeling like it's not just a coincidence. Um, yeah, I've also had a lot of um, small but numerous um, things happen to me where I'll get a feeling that something will happen and it will happen. Like, for example, one day I was queuing in Disneyland Paris um, to do a roller coaster and I was thinking about getting stuck there, just thinking about it, not thinking, oh, we're going to get stuck, just thinking about getting stuck in it, just, you know, picturing this in my mind and I told my friend, Oh, you know, but if we get stuck and sure enough, we got stuck in there um, for a long time, actually. 
um, you know, it wasn't like dangerous or anything. It was a fun experience, but you know, it happened. And any other things like that. Another one that could have been more dangerous. Um, we were um, in a tram. I don't know if that's a word in English. I'm sorry. Sometimes my English is bad because I'm French. I'm a native French speaker. Uh, we were in the tram with my cousin. It's kind of like a little train, like a mix between a train and a metro, like a subway. Um, and I was just visualizing an accident in my head. Um, I was thinking about tram accidents, just visualizing it. And, you know, they're pretty rare. Like, there, there's not many tram accidents ever. And in my dream, not, not in my dream, I'm sorry, in my visualization, it was a tram hitting a car. And sure enough, that same day, I was in a tram in the, at the very, very front of the tram, and it hit a car. And, you know, I was terrified at the moment because I was on the phone with my mom right when the collision happened, and my mom heard me scream on the phone. And, you know, it's, it's really scary because you're thinking of that, and then it's happening, and it's just strange. I'm not by any means saying I'm a medium or anything or, or that I can tell the future, but, you know, before I had this dream, these little things, you know, I noticed them. I noticed them and I can't help feeling like it's not just a coincidence or like it's not, you know. And I'm wondering maybe if there's any, any other people out there that are gifted or anything. If I happen to be gifted or, you know, being, I don't know what you call it, what the term for this, is there any way to work on it and make it, you know, bigger? And, um, you know, just doing some real work with it, if anyone um, knows about it. I don't know. I'm not saying I am by any means gifted, but I don't know. Just I guess I'm just kind of calling to see what other people think of that. I can't. These things just never leave my mind. I think about them all the time. And I never really get to talk about it to other people because when I try, people just kind of, you know, brush it off as a coincidence. So, um, yeah, uh, thanks for listening to me. I actually wrote in a couple weeks ago about that, with that story. Um, don't know if you guys read it uh, and I might have missed it. I don't know. If so, I'm so sorry for repeating myself. And, um, yeah, thank you so much for the show. Really, really enjoy it, uh, you know, listening all the way from France. So, yeah, keep doing what you guys do. And, yeah, thank you so much. Bye. Ines, thank you for your call. And um, I don't know how long you've been a listener, but we've off and on talked about something called being an empath. And I don't want to go so far as to say as I think you are, but I think maybe you should research that some and see if, the descriptions and the, um, I won't say symptoms of it, but the the things that go along typically with being an empath, see if that is something that kind of um, maybe describes you. Um, I have found just since doing this show that I kind of fall into that category and we've kind of got um, some friends of the show that also fall into that category and I've been trying to learn as much about it as I can so I can talk when people call in with these questions. Um, I know you are wondering if it's coincidence or not. That I really can't tell you. I will tell you my personal feeling is that there really aren't coincidences, that things happen for a reason. What do you feel, Tony? 
I agree. I think everything does happen for a reason. And I think you'll slowly learn that you're an empath. And uh, now life is going to be horrible for you. I'm no. Kidding. I'm kidding. It's going to be. <laughs> it actually makes more sense. It does. Yeah. And the thing is that's great about it, if you do find that you're in that category, is for one, you're like, okay, finally, this makes sense. I understand now that for one I'm not the only person like this and two there's a name for it and there's a whole bunch of information about it yeah um, it, so you, it, does it make you feel like you can trust your instinct a little bit more now that you're like oh okay this actually is a somewhat common thing or, or not necessarily common but it exists heck yeah and I will tell you that between what I've been learning and a little coaching from Cisco I am learning to trust myself more and more every day and um, you know sometimes you'll get that weird feeling that you're like this seems totally irrational but I'm worried that this particular thing's gonna happen and then you're finding out later that oh my gosh it's a good thing that I didn't do that or I did do that or whatever the case is because you had that gut feeling. And what that is is sometimes people that are empathic, which is from what they guess on studies, it, it, it's roughly, you know, 20% of the population is sensitive on some level. Whether or not they know it is a different story, whether or not they are, you know, following their instincts, that's a whole nother story in itself. But there's a lot of people out there in the same boat. Do you think there's more em- empaths coming uh, into this world today than there was in the past or less? Because I would say society as a whole, when we break down, you know, the word empath, essentially empathetic, I think there's less empathetic people out there today um, than there has been. Mm. Okay, I... And I think you have to, you know, have a general sense of empathy for people to be an empath. Wouldn't you agree? Or situations? I think typically, yes. Um, And the thing is, you can be an empath, but be like non-empathetic towards people but you're going to feel what they're going through. Does that make any sense? Sure, if you can feel what you're going through but but then you... I guess I guess I understand what you're saying. You can feel what they're going through, but maybe it's that disconnect of how then to relate to them and and actually interact with that individual who's going through something. Sure. Now that would, that's a whole different skill set. That of. would be okay. What what I just described as far as somebody that's an empath but is not really empathetic towards mm-hmm. people would be the exception and not the rule. Typically, empaths are very sensitive. They've been called. Oh, yeah. you're just too sensitive. In almost like a derogatory way. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yes, I am. Thank you very much. Yeah. And I'm very glad that I and am. And you're a cold-hearted bitch. No, but anyway, <laughs> where I was going with that is sensitive uh, empaths tend to be overly protective of other people's feelings. In fact, actually putting their feelings second to others. They will go out of their way to do something to not hurt somebody's feelings. Mm-hmm. Avoid conflict as much as possible. Sure. So... Typically, they're not going to not care about sure. somebody's feelings. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think that's really what she was describing. I really think it is. I think she should look into it more. Do and a little Googling. Yeah. I think they have that there in France. I'm sure they do. <laughs> Although there are like different popular search engines in different parts of the world, but I'm pretty sure Google is pretty big over there. China has, by gosh, what is it, Badoo? I don't know. I forgot what it's called. But there are different ones in different parts of the world. Were you aware of that? No, yes. I really wasn't. Most English-speaking countries, Google is kind of a 
Okay. The one. Although Yahoo is bigger in some countries too. What about Bing? Uh, still kind of there. Yahoo and Bing are almost identical. They're own. They're run by the same engine. Okay. So you get the same results either way. But uh, interesting. Uh, Letter here. Uh, Hi, Jenny and Tony. Two years ago, I began attending Humber College. And maybe it's Humber or I don't know. It's in Toronto. I don't know much about the history of the campus when I accepted my offer of admission. I lived out of Providence at the time and was honestly more concerned with the fact that my uh, program had a great reputation. It was only when I accepted into my program and began apartment hunting that I learned my campus, Lakeshore Campus, was a former psychiatric hospital (laughs) oh my that's always the beginnings of a good ghost story (laughs) and a great stay um it was only when I was ex- um, okay. Uh, like a, not only that, but it's also considered one of the most haunted places in Toronto. Even better, the hospital was built in the 1880s as a branch of Toronto's main lunatic asylum, which has suffered overcrowding issues since the 1870s. They picked a beautiful location on Lake Ontario in an area known as Mimico. Uh, surrounded by wildlife and beaches. The Mimico Beach Asylum, as it was first called, was considered cutting-edge for its time, built in a series of cottages, each one dedicated to a different sort of patient treatment with access to the natural surroundings, a cricket field, and farms that patients could use for recreation and more. It also had an underground tunnel system that connected each cottage with each other. It's at this point I should probably mention that the officials believed in putting patients to work and keeping them busy as part of their treatment. In fact, it was the patients who actually built brick by brick. None of them were ever compensated for the work they did. During its time, the hospital performed the latest in treatments, including electroshock therapy, insulin shock therapy, and lobotomies. Many different sorts of patients were treated there, from the children to the criminally insane. Many of them died there as well. They weren't buried on site, but a cemetery located several miles away from the lake that had remained unmarked and abandoned until quite recently. Toward the 1970s, the community began petitioning the hospital's closure, citing concern over the treatment of the patients and the substandard facilities. In fact, there are reports of patients going missing, escaping to the lake to commit suicide, and dying of unexplained death. It was closed in 1979, and Humber College purchased the facilities in the 2000s, at which point all but one of the buildings were completely renovated for use as classrooms and computer labs. During my own research, I read several stories about people feeling uneasy in the buildings. One story was told by several people was that the nurse was supposed to, that supposedly haunts the tunnel system. Uh, and I was very fascinated by all this, but kept in mind that it's probably not uncommon for people's imaginations to run wild, especially when you throw in a Victorian psychiatric hospital in the mix. That having been said, I firmly believe that there may be something to the stories, especially after some of the experiences I've had and have heard about. My first experience happened in my first term of my first year. It was around 9 p.m. and I needed to do some late night printing. So I wandered over to campus. I live across the street at the time and towards the cottages. I wandered in the back door stairwell entrance of one of the buildings. Upon entering the stairwell, I was greeted with an unfamiliar, overpoweringly sweet smell. I was completely taken aback. Part of me wondered, could this be a ghost? But dismissed that thought as a building I was in, the F building, wasn't haunted as far as I knew. So I shrugged my shoulders and went about my business. Around Halloween, our campus hosts a ghost tour. I was working on campus at the time. 
of one such tour and watched as they walked by, heading towards the tunnels. Two security guards were with me at the time, and we started talking about the ghostly experiences people had on campus. They mentioned the nurse that haunts the tunnel and the mysterious female ghosts that people have experienced in the F building. My ears immediately perked up, and I asked them to elaborate. Apparently, she only makes herself known by her strong perfume. I relayed my experience to them, describing the smell I encountered. That was her, they told me, saying not to be afraid, because she was a friendly spirit who watches over students when they're alone. My second experience happened this past term. It was early morning, and I was making my way to class in the F building. On my way, I snuck into the smaller cottages to use the washroom. Since it was early, barely anyone was around, and the washroom was tucked away down the hall, out of sight. I pulled open the creaky door, which I heard close with a thud behind me and went about my business. There was only one other stall in the room with me. All was silent until I heard the distinct sound of footfalls in the room, heading in my direction. Three steps, then silence. A moment, I was frozen, listening. Who could have gone in? I didn't even hear the door open. Then the toilet in the stall next to me flushed. I jolted my head down to look into the stall next to me, and there was no one there. I got my things together and quickly left, looking down every hall and corner. Nothing. I went to class not knowing what to think. My final experience happened towards the end of this term. It was lunchtime, and I was sitting in a classroom with two of my classmates. We were having a random discussion about something class-related, when all of a sudden we heard the voice come over the emergency call box in the hallway. Hello? Hello? It was the voice of a security guard. We listened in as she asked if someone needed assistance and waited for an answer. Eventually giving up, and there was no reply, we stared at each other, and I jolted up to see what was going on. There was no one in the hallway. Someone or something would have had to have pressed the button in order to reach the security guards. There are many other stories that I've been told by staff and students, some far more elaborate and unnerving than mine, but I wanted to share my own for now. If you're interested in hearing any more stories, I'd be glad to share. Thank you for putting together this podcast. I love listening, and you guys are fantastic and do a great job. P.S. You're welcome for using periods. Thank you. Stephanie. Thank you, Stephanie. I always appreciate it when you know the back history on the place that is haunted or that you've done the research. Yeah, That's I, great. I just appreciate periods. Yep. <laughs> it makes reading it so much more pleasant and enjoyable and readable. Um, that's an awesome story, and I would love to hear more stories, even if they're not your own, um, from uh, classmates or uh, faculty there. Uh, please do write in. That uh, sounds like quite quite a place yeah and it goes back to a bathroom again it does kind of an underlying theme on this show in fact this uh episode uh it's been officially named haunted bathrooms there you go and i've created a nice little graphic when we were listening to a caller before of a toilet with our logo in the middle oh that's so nice (laughs) see there it is it's nice and pretty there we go (laughs) that's great that's great so, but I mean, it's interesting because it, it, it seems to be the the room more than any other room from all the calls and all the stories you get where paranormal activity is taking place or entities are coming in, of, in, in or out of. And see, before I would have imagined it's just because that's probably the room you're the most vulnerable in. 
I think it's the water. I think yeah. it's the uh, the energy that uh, that that essentially conducts. I agree with that now. Now that I've done enough of the shows to know that and to have learned that. But before I thought, well, maybe it's just because you're the most vulnerable and they just like messing with you with your sure. pants down. Which kind of, I mean, and honestly, that could be part of it too, depending on what type of entity we're talking about. Sure. You know, if it's something dark, sure. If it's, you know, if it's something like a family member that's still roaming the halls, I would like to think they probably would still give you their privacy, your own privacy. I don't know. It depends on if the family members gave you privacy when they were alive. That's true. There's some people who really, you know, I mean, it's one thing to have kids. Yeah. Kids who are like, oh, I'm going to go talk to you in the bathroom. It's a whole other thing when they're, you know, an adult and the kids are still like totally cool with keeping the door open and going to the bathroom and having a conversation. Yeah. I can say my house was never like that. We shut the door. We went to the bathroom. The only times the doors was open was in your little kid and learning how to use the, the potty. After that, after you got it down, I think, yeah, you stay out of the bathroom when the other person's going to the bathroom. Ooh, did I ever sh- share the story of my great-grandmother's house, the bathroom story, when my mom and my grandmother went to clean out the house? Uh, no, I don't think you have, but I want to finish my story. I'm sorry. Quickly, about the bathroom things. Okay. Um, I was just wanted to say, it, it's a little weird when you're an adult... And the parents are still having the conversations with the kids. And uh, I was an adult, and I dated a girl in Michigan who uh, parents are probably, they seemed a bit older for, uh, for her, the, the age she was. They were just older parents. Uh-huh. But they were probably in the 60s or so. And she was, I think she had about 30 at the time when we were dating. And uh, she was an older woman for you me. You were getting a cougar is what you were doing. That really was, because I was like uh, mid-20s. My goodness. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was really weird. Like, hey, can my parents have some dinner? Sure. Why not? And uh, and it was weird, too, because I was there, and we'd only gone on, I don't know, three, four, five dates or so. And then she's down the hall using the bathroom, but, like, the hall's, like, bathroom's at the end of the hall. And far enough where, you know, you, it's not like right there, but still close the damn door. Using the bathroom, having the conversation with her parents, continuing on. I'm still there. It's just like, oh, well, we're all comfortable with each other. <laughs> not that comfortable. Wow. And then like later in the evening, like I forgot it was like the mom or the dad did the same sort of thing. And luckily I wasn't like in view shot of the bathroom. Oh my gosh. I was like, I was at another part of the room, so I couldn't like see down the hall. But I knew you you could tell by the conversation that was carrying on that the door was not shut. I'm just like, my God, these people don't shut their bathroom's doors. Like, what the hell? Oh, yeah. Wow. That's that's a little too weird. It didn't last much longer. But uh, yeah, that was a little bit much. But they because I asked about it later, I'm like, let's go. Let's go to the bathroom thing. You know, and they're like, oh, it's what we've always done. It's comfortable. (laughs) It's not comfortable. It's like it's very uncomfortable and kind of rude and not. Not nice. I don't know. Continue with your story. I just wanted to get that in there because that was creepy. It I think is I'd rather creepy. I'd rather have seen a ghost in that house. Really? Yeah. At that, than the parents using the bathroom and still having the conversation. See, I think you know. Right now, with the age the girls are, Olivia is old enough to where we can do privacy again. But well, that's that's different when you have little kids. But right. I'm saying these are this is a 30 year old and 60 some year old adults. I know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so my great grandmother. Rest her soul. I don't know why, but we always called her Mana. We never called her great grandmother, but Mana. Anyway, she lived to be like 96, I think. Anyway, so my grandmother and my mom went 
after she had passed away to check on the house because she lived about six hours from my grandmother and you know kind of gather some things and they were you know doing some I guess estate settling stuff so anyway they they were doing just what you said bugged you my grandmother I guess was like in the kitchen and my mom was in the restroom and and they just either their mother or daughter they just left the door open it's just the two of them there and the door has always been a little difficult to open and close to that bathroom it always kind of drug on the carpet and you really had to to push and I guess that was part of the reason they just left it open well my mom's in there and the door just kind of closes on its own and so my mom thought well that's really strange because that door never can even you know it's never moved on its own it needs force it needs force okay so or I, I can't remember if it opened on its own or it closed on its own either way somehow the door moved so a little while later my grandmother's turn same thing happens so here, one had planned on sleeping in one of the beds, and one had planned on sleeping on the couch. They ended up, like, huddled in this old, old, old bed that it's, like, in between the size of a twin and a full because it's that old. It's, like, a size they don't even make anymore. <laughs> and they slept together because they were both kind of creeped out. But... There you go. There's a bathroom story. Another bathroom story. <laughs> 855-853-4802 with your real ghost stories. Hi. Hey guys, uh, this is Paxton Bud. Um, I live just outside Hayesville, Kansas, and uh, wanted to tell y'all a story about a time when I had stayed at my grandmother's new house that was just built a few years back, um, and I had an experience with a shadow person. Uh, for a while, I thought I was absolutely nuts and maybe had a. Um, maybe just a a big burst of DMT while I was sleeping or something, you know, like that chemical that releases in in your brain uh, when you're asleep, you know, maybe it was just a waking dream, but I knew after having several dreams, uh, probably for at least a month or so afterwards, that that experience had to have been real because I was just having these really awful night terrors. Um, Anyway, I'll jump into the story. Uh, So I was up playing video games at my grandmother's house. I was 19 at the time, 22 now. This is a few years ago. Um, the house is brand new, never had anything haunted on it or anything like that, you know, not that I was aware of, but we do live out in the country, all of us. My grandparents, I do, and my parents do. And um, so I was there watching their house where they're gone, and it's one or two in the morning. I get tired of playing video games. I go uh, to go sleep on their bed because they're out of town and, you know, like, well, whatever, there, there's a bed in that bedroom, so that's what I'm going to sleep on. Well, their dog is a pit bull, and he followed me into the bedroom because he usually sleeps on their bed with them, so I was like, okay, whatever, not going to break routine. Um, I fall asleep pretty quickly because at that point in time, I was really tired because uh, it was late. And I just remember waking up probably about 3 or 4 a.m., couldn't have been an hour or so after I'd fallen asleep, and the pit bull, Charlie, was on my grandparents' bed, uh, sitting straight up and down with his hackles up on his back, facing the door and growling and showing all of his teeth. And the room felt kind of cold, which was weird because it was the summer, and um, I, you know, it was hot in the house, so the room shouldn't have been that cold, but it felt 
more like a 60 degree uh, springtime cold, like just too cold to be normal for summer, where we're getting 90s and higher. And I look, I was almost sleeping on my stomach and I rolled over and just the hairs on the back of my neck stood up and I rolled over and looked. And um, as you walk into their bedroom, there's their bathroom would be on your right side. So when I'm looking at the front, the bedroom front door, um, the bathroom is on the left of the door. And standing halfway in and halfway out of that doorway to the bathroom, uh, I could see this black mist, like this just really heavy, dense-looking black smoke. And I just knew something went right. I mean, the hair was standing up on the back of my neck. I was getting goosebumps. And I don't usually get scared about anything. I mean, I'm usually a pretty skeptical person. I can, you know tell when something's BS and this wasn't it uh, it's just so surreal and I remember like that moment in time felt like hours but I know it was only seconds and it looked I mean I would assume that it was looking at me I could feel that it was aware of my presence and it knew that I was aware of it and when I stood there or sat there in the bed I like sat straight up and I felt like I couldn't get up I wanted to get up I wanted to yell I felt like I couldn't talk or anything and I was just frozen in fear, like just sitting there on that bed and the dog was growling. And um, he kind of got up off of sitting down, but more standing up on the bed. He started standing up and just started growling really loud and started barking. And uh, as soon as he started barking and kind of stood up on the bed, whatever that black mist was just kind of dissipated down towards the ground spread out in a really big pool of like black smoke and then kind of looked like the bathroom was a ventilation duct or something sucking all the smoke into it like it kind of just like lurched back into the bathroom and after that uh i slept with the lights on <laughs> and yeah like i said mind you i'm not usually scared of anything and i'm a pretty big skeptic of a lot of paranormal stories but that experience alone and how it affected me after for about a month where I wasn't sleeping very good because of night terrors was enough to prove to me that that was legit. Uh, anyway, love your guys' show. You're doing a great job. Keeps me entertained at work. And uh, represent Wichita, Kansas. <laughs> All right. See ya. Is that our first real local caller? Uh, yeah, I, I think that's that's called in locally uh, on this incarnation of the show. Okay. Because um, originally, when I launched the show, 100-some episodes ago, which we realized the other day that our Joe the Demonologist episode was actually our 100th episode. Yay. Uh, we, just, we just keep going and don't really count. Um, but uh, And actually, and if you count... Some of the earlier, earlier, earlier episodes, like the yearly episodes I would do uh, with ghost stories, mm-hmm. um, those were um, local calls from the Wichita area because it was pulled from the terrestrial broadcast when I was on regular old radio. Okay. Um, so I think that's probably the first call, at least that we know of from where they're from. I mean, some folks just don't say where they're from, but uh, that, that we're aware of from our area of residence our neck of the woods yes there you go that kind of freaked you up before because uh, we, uh, we we got our, our hoodies in the mail that uh, <laughs> that have our stuff on and we went to a, a craft fair today uh, or an art show and <laughs> it's like oh it's kind of chilly we should wear our hoodies okay great and you said uh, something like does anybody listen to us like in our area I'm like yeah there's a couple hundred people in the area that listen to the show 
And I know this because I can look at stats and I can see geographically where people are listening to the show. Right. And there's a couple hundred people in our area that download the show on a regular basis. I don't know who they are. I don't know where they are, but they listen. Yeah. So, yeah. So you could very easily, someone will see you with us and go, oh, I love your show. It makes me sort of. At any point, anywhere in the world, this could happen to you. I know, but I didn't, I didn't realize that right here we had as many people listening. So I was like, oh, do I want to wear my sweatshirt? Because I'm not wearing a stitch of makeup today. And then people (laughs) come up to me, hey, aren't you Jenny? Yeah. Because it says Jenny right on my jacket. And nobody knows who you look because it was like, you guys should put pictures up. No. (laughs) You're very quick on that. We could go get some professional pictures done that we could have like, we could uh, Photoshop and have like shadow people in the background or something. All right. Well, we could, we could do something. We're going to. We're not scary looking individuals. No. And if you Google me, you can find a thousand photos of me. But it is scary when I don't wear makeup and that was the case today. Oh, it was fun when people Google me, you'll find me like in a lobster suit. (laughs) (laughs) Is that from Travel Channel? Yeah, from Travel Channel. (laughs) Which is great. It's like, is that Tony? That's Tony. Or, or like with some other weird, uh, weird... We're uh, going to bury you in a lobster suit so you come back dressed up as a lobster. Yeah, because I, I did a, a show last year at Travel Channel where it was about uh, food because that's my other thing I was interested in. And uh, it was all about... Nothing about ghosts. It was about food. And I, I was kind of the, the funny person on the show and I was in a lobster suit one episode. And now you Google me, you'll find me in a lobster suit. So, there you go. <laughs> uh 855-853-4802 is our phone number if uh, you'd like to call in to Real Ghost Stories Online and share your real ghost story. We'd absolutely love to hear it. Of course, yes. I just think it's funny. In one episode, we had somebody as far away as France call and mm-hmm. somebody as close as Hayesville in our backyard. Welcome to the world of podcasting. It just blows my mind. All of this from this little office here in our home. I know. Yeah. Well, Art Bell was doing his thing from like the kingdom of Nye in a trailer in the middle of the uh, desert. So, oh, he was. I think we're a little more positioned around humans. Here we go. <laughs> there he had his cats and his aliens. You know, here we got. You know, so uh, there you go. Become an EPP. We'd love it if you join us on that. That helps support the show. It's only five bucks a month, or you can do ten or fifteen. It's completely up to you. Whatever you think the show is worth to you, your support helps keep this show going. Because uh, albeit are we are reaching France, we're reaching all over the world. Um, there's costs involved with that. Uh, so uh, your support allows us to keep this show going, keep this community alive. So please, if you like the show, if you listen to frequently, please think about helping support it and becoming an EPP. For doing that, we give you a bonus episode every single week that goes just to our EPP community. So thank you if you already are one. If you're not one, please join us in that effort to keep the show alive. For Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.